Hello, thanks for downloading episode 52 of the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or Beyond Radio. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. After... taken. Short it goes towards the edge of the box. Tarifa gets the ball in. Wigan have got men over at the back post here. One of them was Will Keane and he's headed from six yards out. He's over the bar. Should have done better. Free kick comes in from McLean all the way towards the back post. It was a free header at the back stick as well and it's straight at Trevor Carson and another let off you feel. Who's going to go sideways to Max Power, who's going to try and find Tendai Dariqua on this right-hand side. Dariqua gets the cross in, it's McGuinness with the header, and it's into the far corner of Trevor Carson's net. And Wigan's pressure was told in the 19th minute, ball down the right-hand side, skipper Dariqua whipped it in, and it was a lovely flick header from Josh McGuinness, nestled nicely into the far corner of Trevor Carson's net. And here at the DW Stadium, it's Wigan Athletic 1, Morecambe nil. It's been coming, hasn't it? It really has been coming, but it's another free header. I think that's what Morecambe will be most disappointed with. He only needed the faintest of, of flicks on as well. The yeah. really, really good ball in from the right, you've got to say. It was, there was pace on the ball in, and I say that's why McGuinness only needed the slightest of touches to flick that into the bottom corner. But, you know, just, just looking at the replay there, he's just in so much space. He's managed to come away from his defender and can't can't afford to give him that sort of space we'll give any of them that sort of space and then Conley might have room to whip across in here that's uh, not a bad one you know actually and the keeper's flapping a bit there and that was the shot in the second phase and after Amos had flapped it it fell nicely for Aaron Wildig who got a snapshot half volley away and that one's turned behind for a corner that's a great <laughs> effort from the edge of the box from Stephen Humphreys just as you said that Abby <laughs> Turned with his back to goal, 20 yards out, rasping left-footed driving at full stretch. Trevor Carson turns it round for a corner. Yeah, he just managed to turn and, and find himself in a bit of space. And it was a great shot and it's a smart save in the end, to be fair. It was a quality strike and an equally good save. Corner though comes in from the left-hand side. It's going to be 2-0 at the back post, is it? Was that over the line? Oh. Yes, it was. Corner came in and it was flicked on and then forced over the line for the second goal and for the third game in a row. Morecambe concede just before half time. We spoke about how we would start to get back into things after with fallen a goal behind after 19 and we go two goals down in the 44th minute. Lee's cross is a low one. Stockton and Diagaraga getting each other's way a little bit there. And the shot finally came in from Cole Stockton. And the referee, in the first two minutes after the half-time break, has pointed to the penalty spot. Finally. No penalty. <laughs> and perhaps, finally, we get a stroke of luck go our way. It was... Uh, Stockton that got the snapshot away from just inside the penalty area hit well it must have hit a Wigan Athletic player on the arm or on the hand appeals went up yeah. and the referee quick as a flash points to the spot and gives yeah he made no mistake he pointed straight to the spot it was very clustered in there it was hard to hard to see exactly what happened but you know 
regardless, this is a real opportunity for Morecambe. And what a time to score if we were to put this penalty away. And it's in front of the Morecambe fans. About uh, well, there are actually 904 of them officially away to our left-hand side here at the DW Stadium. And it's Dylan Connolly with the responsibility from the spot to score his first goal for Morecambe. Connolly steps up and just rolls the ball down the middle to reduce the arrears. That's the first goal that Dylan Connolly has scored in a Morecambe shirt. Cool as a cucumber and he gives a real rousing, come on let's get behind us, as he picks the ball out the back of the net and puts it back on the centre spot and the arrears halved against all the odds. Three minutes after the restart, it's Wigan Athletic 2, Morecambe 1. Very cool penalty that. He just waited for the goalkeeper to make his move, didn't he? And rolled it down the middle. I was a bit nervous when I saw his run up. <laughs> but yeah, very, very cool and calm from the spot. And I've just seen the replay actually. What's happened is the ball has, has bounced up and hit the defender on the hand whose, whose arm was raised. So, so un are, we unlucky, saying, are we saying unnatural position then? Yes, yeah, so it looks like his arm's lifted and away from his body. Slightly, slightly raised arm. I think it's unlucky because it's taken a deflection onto his arm, but his arm is raised. So yeah. Infield to Naylor once more. That's coming away from his man in field to Stephen Humphreys and Humphreys is going to have a run on goal and he's going to hit one with his left foot and low down to his right side that was a great save by Trevor Carson corner comes in oh it could nearly went all the way in there Carson was all at sea we just about got the defensive job done the requel towards the back post Carson gets a flick on it he lives in the back of the net this time and that one will count it's 3-0 3-1 to Wigan Athletic a really dangerous corner up and over towards underneath the crossbar. We got the first one done, came in back a second time to the back post. Carson got a finger on it, third header, loops over everybody and ends up in the back of the net. And for all of Morecambe's good play at the start of the second half, after getting it back to 2-1, has been undone. Wigan 3, Morecambe 1. Thought there was a foul for a moment on Carson there. I thought, thought there was a foul because he, he went down. He looked like he'd been there'd been some sort of collision. But no, I mean a big a real looping scramble. header. Yeah, real scramble, scramble. A big looping header, and nobody could just quite get up to clear the ball. And it's a shame to say it comes off the back of some real pressure from Morecambe. And that's Will Keane's 19th goal of the season. But it just shows, doesn't it? You can't can't keep giving Wigan chances. We just didn't get it. We just didn't clear our lines defensively. They will put their chances away. And, and it's simple as that, isn't it? Yeah. But another absolutely delicious set piece right under the bar. Carson just about got it done first time. Second cross towards the back post. Carson got a, a decent hand on it, and then it was just head nodded back in almost into an empty net. And here come the Latics again once more down this right-hand side. Stephen Humphreys is inside the box, gets the shot away, it's blocked by Anthony O'Connor. And now the second time of asking, it's Stephen Humphreys who probably puts the points in the bag for the Latics. Two goals in the minute for Liam Richardson's man. Stephen Humphreys down the right-hand side, cut in field. First shot was blocked by Anthony O'Connor, but he got a second bite of the cherry. And the Wigan Athletic forward rifles it into Trevor Carson's bottom corner with his left foot to make it on 68 minutes. Game over at Wigan Athletic 4, Morecambe 1. Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps verdict on Beyond Radio. The referee puts the Shrimps out of their misery and it's been another solid second half display here at the DW Stadium. That's three defeats, three crushing defeats for Derek Adams' men inside the last seven days. Cheltenham last Saturday, 
uh, humiliation at Shrewsbury on Tuesday and here at the DW this afternoon it's finished with an Athletic 4, Morecambe 1. Our special guest in the Shrimps Live commentary box this afternoon has been sports journalist Abby Rodwell and Abby I think it's fair to say that Wigan showed their, well, their championship quality this afternoon. Yeah, without a doubt. We've said before the game started, this was going to be a very, very tough ask for Morecambe to even get anything out of this game. And Wigan showed their quality from minute one, really, you know, right from right from the get-go. They were dominating possession. They were they were taking their chances. I think that's been the biggest difference. The quality, quality in the final third, quality of the balls into the box, quality from set pieces as well. And you just you don't need to give them more than one chance. And a very front three, very clinical. And as, as you said, that, that that's been the difference this afternoon. And you know, I feel for Morecambe because they were they were they were parts of the game when they you know they were bright and they started to grow into the game, especially in that first half. They, the early goal in the second half and they were dominating for the next 10 minutes after that but I say the, the, the third goal from Wigan just took the sting out of it and it's been a tough week for them really tough week for them but they've got a two week break now and I really think they have to regroup very very quickly and put this week behind them because as we mentioned as we mentioned they are in the habit of losing is that no wins in 12 now yeah they need to very quickly regroup and get out of the habit and go into the final seven games and give it absolutely everything i think today yeah we didn't play our best of course we didn't but uh wigan did look at a classy outfit as well took their chances like you say then if you've got a front three of Will Keane, Josh McGuinness and Stephen Humphreys, you are going to score goals and you are going to win games of football. If you've got the quality of Curtis Tilt, Jack Watmer at the back, you're going to keep sides out of the opposite end. You've got Max Power and others in... We can go on and on and on, can't we? It's not just yeah. about Wigan, they are a great team. But we're going to play a lot of good teams between now and the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, there's some really, really difficult games coming up. And But what I liked about Morecambe in the second half, or certainly for the first sort of 15 20 minutes of the second half was they clearly spoke at half time about you know trying to excuse me trying to get more balls into the box and trying to you know show a bit more quality in the final third and that's what they've got to do we saw a couple more shots on goal and as we said you don't don't have a go you don't score and i think that's something they lacked in the first half obviously it was spoken about at half time and they started to do that but say so you give wigan a chance and all of a sudden, as soon as that third goal goes in, the game's, the game's gone, really. Feels a long way back, doesn't it? Just feels a long way back from the teams who were playing Wigan. We've still got Oxford to come. We've still got MK Dons, Portsmouth, Sunderland down the track. It's not going to get any easier, is it? Is, have you seen anything today, Abby, that can give us some hope? Please give us something to cling on to. I said anything. this after the Sheffield Wednesday game. I said it after the Sheffield Wednesday game when they gave a very good defensive performance and I feel like since then you know they haven't really picked up many points I have seen some promising signs it's I think it's a difficult one to benchmark it against because we knew the quality that Wigan had but yeah I have seen some quality and I think when Morecambe were at their best in the second half was when they were really putting pressure on Wigan when they were on the ball you know, we, we saw some of the players just 110% effort pressing, chasing down those loose balls. The balls that you probably could say there's nothing on, but they're chasing them down, putting Wigan under pressure. And, you know, we saw 
we saw Wigan make a few unforced errors, which is not something we'd expect of Wigan. That came from the Morecambe pressure. Um, I just think at this stage it's about fighting for every single loose ball, fighting for each other, bodies on the line, and a bit more quality in that final third. I don't know where that's going to come from, but they need a little bit more quality in the final third. Didn't change the or change the shape today to a back, a back four. It just hasn't worked. We've leaked 12 goals in a week, and ultimately that's what's going to that's what's going to kill us. We're on 79 minus 79 goals conceded this season in League One. It's just far too many. Far too many, and we saw Carson make a number of good saves today as well. I, I'm not saying they were saves he sh he shouldn't have made, but they were they were still good saves. So you know, defensively they're under a lot of pressure, and yeah, you can't. You, you don't know how important that goal difference is going to be come the end of the season as well and we've looked at how close it is down there and you just I just feel like the Morecambe just might be the game against Burton the game against Oxford I'm not sure where the result's going to come from but you just feel like they need a little bit of luck a scrappy performance a horrible performance who cares at this stage I think you just need a little bit of luck because the what that can do three points but even with a horrible performance what three points can do to the mentality going into the final sort of five six games of the season it could change everything Abby thank you so much for your company on Shrimps Live this afternoon we always appreciate you being in the commentary box because hopefully we'll uh, have you back in again uh, at some point in the uh, very near future and fingers crossed you can bring us a bit more luck next time I really uh, really it hope didn't so. work at all today <laughs> did it but, um, I really Abby. hope so but thanks for having me Dave uh, always a pleasure Abby Rodwell sports journalist alongside myself Dave Salmon here on uh, Shrimps Live yeah I mean I thought that um, you know, we caught well with uh, Wigan today I thought that um, we limited them to very few really clear-cut chances uh, in the game. I thought that um, we pushed them back at times. We dealt well with the threat that uh, they're always going to be. And uh, we lost a, a really poor goal. Uh, I was speaking to the staff just now and they said that's been the story of the season. Cross balls into the box. Uh, haven't been you know, strong enough and that was what there was. Uh, the first goal, uh, a ball into the box, a, a flick on, a goal. And then losing one at the back post uh, just before half-time second half we get the penalty kick and uh, you know it kicks us on we, we get a bit of life into us and uh, we look like you know we could go on and get a second goal but again a crossball into the box we don't deal well with they score make it 3-1 and it was the same for the fourth goal so um, that'll tell you that uh, you know we, we, we haven't and uh, continue to not defend that well enough no winning 12 now after this um, you can't keep relying on other teams around you dropping points you need to look after yourselves don't you yeah I mean that that's the case but um, um, we all know that you know we've got to defend better and uh, that's uh, you know been the story of the season set play is particularly disappointing isn't it because that's where you're supposed to be organised and, and, and corners and free kicks today like you say the, the cross ball into the box looked like they gave you a lot of problems yeah, we haven't got as physical players as we need at the football club and uh, that's a big problem and, uh, you know, when you come through midweek through a season then you understand the problems that has been going on, you know, since the start of the season and we've conceded an awful lot of goals from set plays. If you look back to earlier on in the season, the majority of the goals have been from set plays. You conceded 80 or, or thereabouts in the season and, and you've only been in charge for six of those games, yeah. but five in midweek and four today. Yeah. Um, how are you going to turn this round in the few games that you've got left? Very difficult. Um, you know, I think that uh, we are two points adrift at this moment in time and, uh, you know, we've got a lot of difficult fixtures to come, but... Uh, 
as it is that close then we've still got an opportunity and people would say that coming away to Wigan who are flying high towards the top end of the table and would be top with games in hand I guess but you know this was a bit of a free hit but each game's worth three points and you know yeah. that's what you've got to look at yeah I mean I didn't think that it was a 4-1 game today to be honest uh, I thought that uh, I wouldn't say that uh, Wigan passed us off the pitch I wouldn't say that um, they created a lot of clear cut chances in the game uh, you know they, they've scored goals from uh, you know pure play from us at times uh, and in terms of your formation, you, you, you've been playing sort of three centre-backs and, and, and wing-backs and today you're, you're reverted to a back four. What, what was your thought process there? Yeah, I mean, just to you know, have a go at uh, Wigan uh, high up the pitch and we did that. And uh, I think that you know, we dealt well uh, in certain aspects of the game, other aspects of the game we haven't. And uh, you know, we just have to, to get on with that. You're going to have some time on the training pitch now with, with next week's next weekend's game called off um, and that's going to be vital leading into this run-in because seven games to go now. Time on the training pitch isn't going to help us. You know, um, Individually, we have to be better. We can have 24 hours, seven days a week. It's not going to make us uh, much better than we are. We've got the players that we've got and we have to be uh, stronger in that penalty box and uh, you know defend better. I could put 100 balls into that penalty box on the post or a post, but uh, come a Saturday, uh, it, it's it's when it matters. So, uh, listen, time in the training back's not going to help us at this moment in time. You feel there's a lack of quality then in the squad? Listen, I, I said before, we, we, we're not strong enough and uh, I can't say any more than that. Evidence would suggest that we haven't defended well enough this season and continue to not defend well enough. We've conceded far too many goals from cross balls and uh, we obviously don't have a, a big enough physical presence in the team. Arthur, it's a difficult afternoon for you um, in terms of the team's performance and, and you're in a tricky situation, aren't you, in the league? Yeah, of course. Obviously, we just got to keep going and try and get um, some points so we can get out of the relegation zone. But, um, yeah, we're just unlucky to concede the two goals first half. But I think if we keep going and fighting, hopefully next time we can get a better result. Just after half-time, you get that penalty, gets you back in the game. Um, and, and for 20 minutes after that, you're on top, aren't you? Yeah, like, we, we kept on going, we kept on playing as a team. and But we're just unlucky to concede again. And that's what killed the game. But I think if we continue to work on our defence a bit more then we couldn't do better. Yeah, because there, there were long periods of that game where you know, there, were, there was no difference between the two sides. It just happened to be that you know, at the business end of the pitch, you know, Wigan have that little bit extra quality and they made it count. Yeah, of course, like, coming away from home, we, we knew it was going to be a difficult game, but we just got to try and keep um, focus and try and get um, some points and um, work on our defence a bit more. And from a personal point of view, you're back in the team and you know, you'd like to see a little bit more of the ball, I'm sure, but you, know, you want to show what you can do. Yeah, of course, like, you need to be playing and I just hope I can get more time next time, um, so, some more games. But I just got to keep going and keep my head up and, and work hard for the team. What's the spirit like in the dressing room? Um, yeah, obviously it's not been, diff- I mean, it's been difficult, but we're just trying to stay focused and hopefully we can do better than we've, we've done today. Managers make, making a few changes in formation and, and maybe style of play, trying to make you a little bit more solid at the back. Yeah, of course, so when you're like, near the bottom, we've got to try and defend a bit more because we can see the lot. So, but of course, we've got to attack and score some goals as well. So hopefully we can do that as well. And your job particularly as well is, is to try and get some ball into Cole and support him as well at the top end of the pitch because obviously he's the, been the main focal point attacking-wise, hasn't he? Yeah, of course, he's, he's done a lot for us, he's done a lot for the team and we just got to try and support him and help him to get some more goals. 
Now, no game to preview uh, next week, which uh, kind of put a bit of a spanner in the works because we'd already uh, spoken to our special guest, uh, that Oxford United expert, uh, Simon from the Fence End Pod. So we'll uh, hear from him before the rearranged fixture, which is on Tuesday, the 5th of April. So two weeks before Morecambe next play in League One. Seven games to uh, save our League One status, of course. So uh, we had a bit of a gap in the podcast. I thought, what am I going to do here? So we've got a couple of special guests for you, including, if you missed it a few weeks ago, uh, I've been in conversation with uh, Morecambe Football Club photographer Jack Taylor. You may well have seen, I'm sure you have, if you're a Morecambe fan, you will inevitably will have seen uh, photographs from Jack on the club website and social media channels. But uh, what do you know about Jack as a person? And uh, what goes into being a professional sports photographer? We'll find out more uh, very soon. But uh, we were delighted to be joined on co-commentary today by uh, Abby Rodwell, who is a sports journalist, also has worked uh, in professional football for a number of years at uh, both Doncaster Rovers and at the EFL as well. So uh, I thought it'd be good to have a chat with Abby about uh, just what it's like uh, and maybe some of the barriers and the challenges faced by being a woman, and which is still the minority, it's getting better, but it's still the minority, in sports professional broadcasting in this country. Within football media, though, Abby, it's fair to say that women are still very much in the minority. You don't see many female press officers at professional football clubs. You don't see... It's getting better on the telly and on the radio and so on, but you still don't see perhaps as many as you should. Where are we at, in your opinion, in, in terms of the growth of women being within that media and how far have we still got to go? I think, as you say, it's certainly getting better. There's no doubt about that. When I started nine years ago, I was definitely in the minority in in my team at Doncaster, no doubt about that. And I think even when I moved to the EFL, it was a male-dominated team and you look around clubs and you look around, you know, the staff that work at clubs and it's a very male-dominated environment. But I like to look at that as, as... being a woman gives you gives you the edge almost I think in some respects I appreciate it's a male dominated environment but I say when I started out at Doncaster I kind of stood out a little bit because I was a female who maybe you know 10 years ago might not have expected somebody like me to know as much as I did or and I think that kind of gave me gave me the edge a little bit and um, saw it as an opportunity but definitely getting better I think say there are a lot of female presenters on TV now you see it on Soccer Saturday you see it on BBC in all sports not just football um, and I think that gives people young young women in sport I think it gives them some people to look up to you know all my, all my a lot of my sort of heroes because I'd love to go into presenting um, a lot of my heroes with with the men really because there wasn't any yes. you know, there weren't your Kelly Cates your Laura Woods and, yeah. and people presenting I think it's great now to see people like that and also the BBC are very very good for this and, and Sky Sports are as well they've almost created female specific opportunities to get into the industry which you could argue shouldn't be needed but is needed and I think I, I, I again I would see that as a positive in that these organisations want to bring women in. I, I see it as a real positive and again an opportunity for, for people to, to take those steps. It's a question of credibility as well, isn't it? I think you've already alluded to that. You've got it's not just tokenism. You've got to know what you're doing and you've got to know your stuff. And as you've proven if you do know your stuff and you are determined you can get to where you want to be. But there's still an element within football fans 
that think they watch Soccer Saturday, they see a game on Sky or on, on another radio station, another TV channel, and they do think it's the it's the token woman because the, the broadcaster almost feels obliged that they've got to tick, tick the box almost. And that's what needs to change even further. And I think it is changing, but absolutely, people people do wrongly sometimes see a woman on TV and or reporting on football and think they're doing that to tick a box, but absolutely not. Uh, you look at some of the some of the presenters and some of the you know Michelle Owen's a great example on Sky. She I think she is one of the most brilliant reporters there is in the game. You look at all the praise recently that Emma Hayes has uh, the women Chelsea women's manager. I don't know if you saw Brendan Rogers' yes. interview. Week, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a couple of people said, mm, "Is that patronising?" I don't think it was. No. I can see why people might think it was patronising, but I think he was trying to make the point to mention women's football on it's live been, television. Yeah, I think he wanted to use his platform on on Amazon Prime, whatever it was, knowing there were thousands of people watching. I think he wanted to publicly make that comment to almost showcase women's football a bit more and. You know, Emma Hayes is. She was probably been a standout from the summer, I reckon, because she she worked on the Euros, yeah, the Euros and yeah, absolutely. got absolutely praised mm. from everybody. I think she's a fantastic pundit. She's so insightful. She's honest, and I think that that sometimes being again probably wrongly, but being a woman, it allows you to be maybe a bit more honest and show your knowledge because you almost feel like you've got a point to prove. Mm. So you're going to go that step further, and you're going to maybe work a little bit harder. And again, rightly or wrongly. It's, it's an opinion it probably is wrong that you have to work a bit harder but you do but ultimately I think that makes you better we have those initiatives don't we the Her Game 2 one is, is, is the big one at the moment that a lot of professional clubs more can include I think Doncaster are in, involved in it as well that's great on one hand that, that there is such a movement to, to try and stamp out the sexism within the professional game but I suppose on the other hand it's a shame that we need to do those kind of things in the first place but anything we can do to kind of improve the situation it has to be a good thing yeah I think I'm, I'm with you it's a shame that those sorts of initiatives have to be in place especially when we're living in you know 20 I was going to say 2020 then similar 2022 to, I suppose similar to the racism one isn't it as well. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it is and when, you, when it's just discrimination as a whole yeah. isn't it um, you know you could be talking about racism sexism homophobia anything it's such a shame that clubs have to have all these initiatives in place to promote inclusion but at the same time it is where we are and I do think times are changing I think it's getting far better um, but yeah the, the Her Game too is I think it's a brilliant initiative I think as long as clubs support it clubs get behind it things will gradually start to change I say it, it's, it's a shame that you have to have that in place but at the same time, I think it's really important that clubs support it. Um, and I think, yeah, more, the more and more things that you do, the more and more women you see in the game, I think naturally that opinion will start to change. And, and I think, I, I do think it is. I say, you start, even just behind the scenes, yes, in men, male football, there's not many women that work behind the scenes, but there are, there are more, getting more and more, you know, I know a few female physios, strength conditioning coaches, even to have that in, the, in the, the men's game is is massive and I do think it's changing, albeit slowly, but anything that anybody can do is, is of huge benefit. It's a matter of respect, I suppose, isn't it? And you earn that respect by being good at what you do. It doesn't matter what your gender is. If you know your stuff, whether it's as a pundit, as a, as a media officer, 
as a football coach, whatever it might be, if you're good, it doesn't matter who you are, you, deserve, you should deserve to be where you are. But it doesn't always work out that way. No, it doesn't always work out that way. But you do like to think that you're living in a society where if you're good at your job, you deserve to be to be where you are. Um, one one thing where I think it probably is changing slightly is to say, I, and this shouldn't be the case, but there are a few a few organisations are starting to do initiatives for young girls in the game, and you know, I, I think BBC were doing something uh, recently. You know, let's find our next female commentator uh, because they know it's probably a more male dominated. Um, job commentary, which, which it is, um, albeit again it, it is getting better. So I think for, for organisations to run these initiatives of let's find our next female commentator, and they're running it for ages between 18 and 22. You know, I think I think that's really really important because I think when I was younger, I always had a view of I want to work in football. I would love to be the next Gabby Logan, for example. But how the hell do I get into that? <laughs> And I think it's more about not knowing what your opportunities are. And so the more initiatives that clubs, that you know, your BBCs, your Sky Sports, that those sorts of organisations can, can run will only be of benefit. And they will find the next female commentator. You know, they'll find the next female manager. They'll find the next Emma Hayes. They'll find the next Gabby Logan. They'll find the next Sue Barker, whoever it may be, going back years and years. You know, I mean, she's a good example. She was one of a handful of people back in her time um, so yeah I think it's really important it shouldn't be needed as you say but it is and it's a step in the right direction What would your message be now to people listening to this who may think or, or they may have a daughter or they may be themselves wanting to get into professional sports media what would your message be to them? 100% do it try it don't give up I remember when I left university, say I knew I wanted to work in football, but I didn't know what I wanted to do because I didn't know what existed necessarily. I remember writing a letter to all the football league clubs, <laughs> just asking for anything, volunteering, anything at all. Whether it starts out on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock for an hour, making the tea. If you do that, if you show some enthusiasm, initiative, I would just say, just, just do it. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And don't be put off by any rejection. Don't be put off by it being a male-dominated environment. There's there's a place for there's a, there's a place for us. If, if you're good at what you do and if you work hard, you'll get there. So I'd encourage everyone to just have a go. Abby Rodwell, sports journalist, a former member of the media team at Doncaster Rovers, and also as part of the press office at the EFL for a number of years as well that now works uh, for our colleagues at BBC Sport so just outlining one or two of the challenges faced uh, by women in professional sports media Abby will be back on Shrimps Live uh, between now and the end of the season on co-commentary with myself I promise uh, Abby thank you so much for your time again this afternoon we really appreciate your company uh, now I've been also in conversation with uh, club photographer Jack Taylor now Jack joined the Shrimps uh, from a work capacity at the start of the season. He's been a Shrimps fan for many, many years, though. A local lad, born and bred. And uh, you may well have seen photos that Jack has taken. I saw iconic images that Jack's taken over the months from uh, Morecambe's first season in League One on the club's website, social media and stuff like that. But what do you know of Jack himself as a person? And just what does it take to, to capture that perfect sporting image by a professional sports photographer. 
Well, let's find out. Give us a bit of background, Jack, if you may, about how you came, firstly, how you came out being a photographer, and secondly, how you came to be Morecambe Football Club's official photographer. You've probably seen me wandering around pitch side at home and away games, usually, as of recent, looking very cold and very wet. <laughs> you see a man under about five coats and a snood and three beanies, that's me. Um, so, I mean, I've been a photographer for quite a while now, probably about 10 years or so. Uh, doing all sorts, all sorts of photography. Um, I went to school in Lancaster, finished school probably about five years ago and went off to university up in Glasgow to art school to study photography. Uh, finished that in the summer of last year and I've been a Morecambe fan for probably about 15 years. Uh, been home, home and away all sorts, absolutely love the shrimps. And I saw in the summer Matt Rushton who was the old video and photographer, did a lot of content creation, uh, left the club to move on to uh, new things and there was an opening at the club so I got in touch with Ben Sadler and um, basically just offered my services in the sort of content creation realm during that period before um, the post was sort of filled ultimately by uh, Ryan and he said yeah come down to a few training sessions uh, so I met Matt, took a few photos and then when Ryan got the post, he rang me and said, are you interested in coming down to Ipswich, first game of the season, take a few photos there and see where we can go from there. So covered Ipswich on the Saturday and then we had Blackburn away on the Tuesday, I think it was. Uh, I had two of my best, two of my favourite games, I think, just our first game against Ipswich in front of over 20,000 people. Mm. It was unbelievable. I mean, I remember some games at the Globe Arena as it was, Tuesday night matches where we were 800, 900 people there. To go over that first game of the season, to be able to photograph that, when Cole scored that first goal, ran straight towards me. It was an absolute field day from a photographer's point of view. I was having the time of my life. Send them off to Ryan, he liked them, and yeah, now it's become a full-time position really as the uh, photographer for the club. There's a few pictures, iconic images, Jack, as you say. The, the Cole Stockton on, on, day, on uh, the opening day of the season is doing the knee slide. Joan Ryan's running towards him, behind him. There's the Adam Phillips one at Blackburn when he's got his fingers to his lips at the crowd. There's, you've taken a few good ones this season. Well, I've taken some great ones. Um, much helped by... We've got some players who know how to celebrate in our team. <laughs> We've got Ann O'Connor at Tottenham running towards me. That was a legendary picture. I think my favourite celebration has to be Cole's goal against Fleetwood in the last minute it caught me a bit off guard he's, he's done that a few times this season as a photographer you need to remain <laughs> on your toes and it's not the easiest with a player like Stockton in the team because he shoots from wherever he pleases and sometimes you're not, you're not ready for that that one against Fleetwood though he started running right towards me the top came off the knee slide came out I was having the time of my life <laughs> There have been some great pictures, not just saying it because you're sitting behind me in the car, Jack, but uh, I, I think it's all part, and, and Matt will agree to this as well, that it's all part of that improved media offer across every single channel this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a case of just bringing the club up to the League One level. I mean, I've been following us since, I mean, over the last 10 years, lots has changed at the club. We were talking earlier about the introduction of social media for the club. I mean, getting a Twitter presence, getting a Facebook presence, that's moved on to sort of live tweeting of the game and obviously now I'm glad to have been able to help with implementing live photos during the game uh, which is especially helpful at away days where people can't make it and then having the gallery at the end of each game nice to look back on it's nice for the players to have it's nice for the fans to feel like they're a part of that which we didn't necessarily have but to have you know regular photos 
um, to see themselves in the background of pictures and just to relive the moments from the season through photos which I think is really important as a photographer and as a fan as well which is why I love doing it for Morecambe because I know what I would want to see as a fan of the club which is part of the reason I do what I do it's why I come to Shrewsbury to have it called off it's why I travel to Sunderland on a Tuesday night to watch us lose I mean it's all part of wanting to improve that general experience for the club because I want that as well as a fan so give us a bit of a flavour if you can Jack uh, a bit of a behind the scenes feel what is involved for you on a match day I mean for me the match days differ on home and away games home games are a little bit easier in senses and a little bit more difficult in others at home games they sometimes have a few more sort of obligations if there's mascots if there's sponsors photos I have to do then um, I mean I've sort of become quite in tune with the way that the club operate on a match day so I know that just before two o'clock the keepers will come out to train um, just after quarter past um, just after quarter past two the players will start to come out uh, you know when I see Derms come out that's when I get into my spot to take the photos of the players coming out of the tunnel and then they do the part of the warm-up where they run towards the advertising board. So you sort of learn the system and the routine which they go through. So I mean, for me, it's a case of getting warm-up photos and then I'll send a load off to Ryan uh, and Matt on the press deck. They'll get some tweets out. And then during the game, you'll know, I mean, I spend a lot of the time before the game thinking, especially at away grounds. I mean, at the home games, I have my position where I'll sit. But away games, it's a lot of, if I were a player and I scored, which way would I run? where would I do my knee slide because ideally I want to be in the spot to capture that uh, a lot of the time you've got to see where the dugouts are see where the away fans are there's a few decisions like that which people probably don't think I have to do as a photographer but that's part of it because I can't exactly be roaming up and down the pitch as much as I'd like to and as much as I believe I probably will end up on the bench one of the games these seasons <laughs> do plan to be getting on the score sheet soon that's part of it take the photos half time switch ends try and sneak in a pie if possible take photos again uh, and then just get the gallery out a lot of the time the players will want the photos as well sometimes sooner than uh, physically possible sometimes while I'm still actually on the pitch uh, but that's part of the fun then away games a bit more e a bit easier in a sense because I don't have those same obligations I sort of show up I get to go explore if I've got red zone I can sort of wander around see what's uh, see what's happening and then, yeah, just help with the post-match when I can with Matt and Ryan's stuff. Hold a few lights, hold a few tripods. Um, all action. All action, get in the car, uh, hook up to the Bluetooth and play a bit of ABBA. Um, that's the standard <laughs> procedure for me. Not so sure about the ABBA bit, Jack, but uh, I kind of get where you're coming from. It always surprises me that about the speed, I suppose technology allows you to do that, the speed in which you, you can get from taking the picture, whether it's yourself or whether it's another um, official match photographer, the speed in which you get the images actually to the people that get them published. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the workflow which you develop um, through experience, really. I know at Ipswich and Blackburn at the start of the season, I was a bit slower, a bit clunky with it. But a lot of it is just you develop that workflow, you, you develop the process, you, you learn how to like read when gaps in the game are going to be so you can open up the laptop and send a few pictures off. You sense when there's an injury, that's when you snap into action and you need to like learn when these breaks of play are going to come. There are a lot of times when I'll be on the laptop and out of nowhere we'll start a counter-attack and I'm scrambling to try and get everything ready so I'm, I'm on the move again. Um, but I mean that's part of the fun as well. 
Uh, and then it's also very weather dependent. I mean, the rain is sometimes my worst enemy. I absolutely love shooting in the rain in some sense because it looks beautiful when you've got, there's a photo from when we played Wickham away at their place. Adam Phillips, uh, when he scored the second goal, ran right towards me doing his usual shush of the, uh, shush of the crowd uh, and the raindrops around it. It's just a beautiful photo from a photographic point of view. But then that means it's more difficult to get the laptop out and to start sending off photos like that because making covers and stuff for that becomes more difficult and you don't want to get damage on the laptop and ruin all the rest of the photos so it's about that balance between getting the photos out as quickly as possible uh, and also making sure that you, you save the photos you've got and don't lose them to the rain which is my worst enemy in some sense but that's why I was a bit disappointed today because I mean two of the things I love as a photographer are staying dry and knee slides and those two things don't necessarily complement each other. Today, the weather was very wet, the ground was sodden. We arrived and the clouds parted and the blue skies came out. And I thought, I'm gonna have 90 minutes here, of staying dry, we're gonna score three, four, six goals. All of them run towards me, knee slide, and they'll slide for a long time in weather like that. Uh, so it's a shame to get it postponed, but that's part of, being, part of the job. That's yeah. my sort of day to day, really. If you want to find out more about your work, you're on social media, how, how do we do that? Yes, I'm on social media. My Instagram is probably the best place. I post probably four or five photos a week of matches, players, behind the scenes. You can find me there at jacktaylor.photo. I'm also on Twitter at jttphoto. Uh, so there's a few other things on there. I'll tweet around, tweet it today when we got to the... Uh, Ground. But my Instagram is probably the place where if you want to see most of my work, check that out. Thank you to our special guests on this episode, sports journalist Abby Rodwell and Muckham Football Club official photographer Jack Taylor for their fascinating insights and their time. Uh, ladies and gents, thank you so much. We really appreciate you speaking to us. Uh, that's just about it for this episode of the Shrimps Verdict podcast. No Shrimps Live next Saturday, of course, uh, because of that uh, postponed game between Oxford United and uh, Morecambe. It's being played on Tuesday, the 5th of April. So uh, Morecambe next in action on Saturday, the 2nd of April. Back at the Mazuma for the visit of Burton Albion. Another cup final in our battle to stay in League One. If you're not heading to the game, team news, the build-up and full match commentary on Beyond Radio and I follow uh, a week on Saturday, well, the 2nd of April, depending when you might be listening to this, uh, from 2.45. We'll look forward to your company then. Uh, Shrimps fans, try and enjoy the rest of your week and uh, thanks as ever for your company once more. We'll speak to you next time. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.